0: Alrighty, happy Tuesday. Welcome. This is another one of those weeks where I know Joey and I both got in and we're like, oh man, we don't really have that much. It's probably going to be a super relaxed, chill show. Uh, And then we both got on and we're doing our pre-show planning and we're like, oh my God, there's so much to talk about. So we're going to try to get in on time and I want to open it up. I have a really awesome recommendation. So I've been working on Substack for a while. Substack is basically like a its like a self-run kind of blog that's connected to Twitter. its It was to replace all those massive Twitter threads where people just tweeted 100 times and you had to go search through all of them, and it was a terrible pain. So it condenses it into a blog. There's some wonderful writing on there. So I found something really cool that, Joey, I, you're going to like this because I know you like history, and I think a lot of people will find it interesting. It's called The Roaring Twenties by Tate is the name of his Substack blog thing. And what he does is he reads the newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, and the Financial Times, like. The, the financial news from the exact same time like the same date 100 years ago and basically like reports what they were talking about it's an awesome blast from the past like you get, you get to see what people are thinking like what the overall sentiment was i mean at this time in history this week's was like the germans were paying reparation costs and stuff for world war one like crazy stuff and I, it, it's awesome give it a look if you haven't Abby, there's actually probably no way you've seen it it's gonna be hard to find but either way go look up roaring 20s by Tate awesome recommendation it's really cool what do you think Joe no that's
1: that's that's awesome man I mean you'd enjoy it nothing's I mean it's it's so great to just compare history where we were a hundred years ago to where we are today yeah making the and, same um, whenever you <laughs> yeah when you talk about the roaring 20s I the way I always thought about it was something really terrible has to happen for people to just let loose and party like the Roaring Twenties. Like you watch The Great Gatsby or read The Great Gatsby and you see the type of parties that guy was throwing and you got to think something terrible had to have happened for them to just live so carefree. And then you think back, well, you had the Great Depression and World War One. World War I so was a big part of that. Yeah. So people were just, you know, throwing caution to the wind. So just think what's going to happen whenever things change up and going in the other direction. I mean, we might have our own roaring 20s towards the back half of this decade, so it's
0: exciting. That is a big debate. I know in the financial world, people talk about that a lot. They're like, everything's running so hot and so heavy right now. Is this another roaring 20s? And are we going to see a similar crash as we did, you know, 1929, they had the big stock market crash. Are we going to see the same thing happen here? I don't know. I think it's totally different environment. I think it's really hard to compare, but either way, it's fun. I, I think it's fun to see the sentiment, like what people were actually thinking, like the It's hard for me to explain from here because if you read it, it's like the overall sentiment is this. The banks are talking about this. The people in the streets, like they pulled people in the streets. They pulled them over like, what do you think about the bank rates these days? What do you think about the Germans? Like it's really cool. Just it's awesome. And I think if we could remember what happens more, maybe we could avoid some of the future mistakes or gain insight and say, oh, maybe we don't have much to worry about. So I think it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to learn from it. And then it's also sometimes fun to just laugh at it. Like yep. uh, you go back and watch the Back to the Future movies and see the Doc <laughs> went to 20 and hoverboards. And here we are today still driving on, like my 2009 Kia with 200,000 miles on it, nowhere near hoverboards. But it is uh, it's always an interesting uh, retrospective uh you know, good little insight.
0: Yep, I totally agree. And then another quick blast to the most more recent past is I, I, saw, I saw this on Twitter this morning, which cracked me up. So I, had, I Googled the article and found out it was in 2018. It wasn't new, I whoever was promoting it was acting like it was new. And it was an article about, so this was a big thing in 2018. All the Indian, the people in India all got cell phones and internet services and they were all sending too many good morning texts. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And so it literally raised the costs of internet all around the world because all the providers were having to shift over <laughs> is too many Indian people were sending good morning memes and I thought that was hilarious. I'm going to put the article in the show notes. It's it's great. And uh, when you
1: sent me that and I took a look at it, I thought it was recent. Yep. So I was thinking no wonder my phone wouldn't load <laughs> over the weekend. Yes. Even- oh my gosh I was so upset yep. I was like that makes tons of sense but uh now that you tell me it's in 2018 I'm a little disappointed but still funny
0: yeah you you're have to search for other reasons there but either way so yeah if uh <laughs> if you if you want a reason to blame for your slow internet speeds blame the Indian population for being just too darn nice and way too polite you know screw them for that
1: <laughs> <laughs> too cordial too uh they gotta adopt the um united states mentality where you know you put your head down and you don't want to look at anyone in the morning till you have your coffee
0: oh my gosh you got to see some of the memes they have in the article they're great too it's like they would design these beautiful graphics with all this like this good morning you were the light of my life blah 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 and it just went on and it was it was so poetic and everything and i was like man if i if i sent that to half of my friends they'd be like dude what is wrong with you <laughs>
1: you're lucky to get a high out of me in the mornings. Yeah, yeah. like two cups of coffee deep. And then I'm, maybe I'll talk to you.
0: I can't remember the last time I sent a good morning text. That, that's, that's like, unless you're dating someone, I mean, that's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, that's about it. And then, uh, once you start living with them, then I guess there's no reason to text good morning either anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's more so anything. like,
0: did you get the chores done or am I cleaning the bathroom? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Oh, well. All right. Moving on. So this is something that caught my eye. It was, uh, it was a page in the journal talking about how green steel, which is in quotations, green as in like eco-friendly, not like the color green. Green steel is like the new hot commodities. We're basically, we're trying to figure out in today's world of shortages, where we have shortages of steel, lumber, corn is the big one that I always talk about, peas, etc., cetera, coffee beans. How do we subsidize these kind of things and fix the end product? So the end product for steel is obviously cars is the big one. And I'm sure you've been paying attention right now. It's really, really tough to find a used car that you want right now for a decent price. Everything's very expensive. So over across the pond in Europe, green steel is the new hot problem they're trying to tackle. They're saying, look, we basically want to, in this lull, figure out how we can produce the amount of steel that we do now in a more eco-friendly kind of way. At Daimler, which is the parent company for Mercedes, is pretty much all on board with this. They're they're really looking into it, trying to fix it. I, They're the last company I expected to be doing that. But here's the kicker is that they did the study and figured out that project costs are basically going to go about 60% if they immediately made the switch from full fossil fuels, which is current, to burning hydrogen instead. And I have thoughts on that that are coming up because that's a a little different. But 60% is a pretty massive increase. I mean, Mercedes are already not cheap cars. And if you buy a cheap Mercedes, it will perform like a cheap Mercedes. So you can expect your $50,000 base level S-class to now be $80,000, $90,000. That's intense. Like that, that is a massive increase. And I mean, most likely I would have to assume those costs are going to get passed down to consumers directly. So maybe in a year, two years from now, it, when you see all those massive costs, they're going to get factored into the inflation numbers and it's going to probably impact the argument we have for or against whether we're having true inflation or if wages just haven't caught up, but stuff like that. So the one last point I want to make about this before we move on is that you don't really burn hydrogen i've looked into i'm a huge car nerd so in an internal combustion engine you are lighting a spark to burn the oil which causes push and work to make your car go forward right hydrogen is a little bit different so what you're actually doing is separating molecules or putting them together and the rea- like the chemical reaction of doing that creates water <laughs> it, it Actually, yeah. So you're putting two you're putting two elements together, creating water, and then the energy from that chemical reaction is what moves you forward. You can't stop a chemical reaction when you go. You don't burn it like it just it's it's a, it's happening. And so that's why we can't use it for rockets and stuff. It's because we can't stop the reaction from happening. There's no way to isolate it really. That was a lot of science car nerd talk, and I hope it wasn't horrible, but. That's why I don't know if you could burn hydrogen. It kind of confuses me.
1: No, yeah, I follow along. And just initially, 60% is such a such a big jump markup in project costs. It just makes it, you know, not even sound tangible or even realistic at this point. Um, the reason we burn fossil fuels is because it's cheap. And I know it's kind of like a similar discussion we had, uh, I don't know if it was last week or a couple episodes back when we were talking about, I mean, you can either pay 80,000 for an F150 or you can pay 40,000 for a Tesla or whatever the Cybertruck's going to retail at probably even lower than an F150. So I mean, it's true. It's it's I don't know, it just doesn't seem like a like a realistic thing right now, but I mean, I'm sure technology will catch up. Uh eventually uh this hydrogen um is going to end up reaching the point where it's realistic but uh just not right now for that price
0: tag or we'll find something else we can burn instead i don't know the hydrogen is just appealing because it like the output is water which is great as opposed to poisonous gas so i think that's why we're so hot on it i know toyota's had a height they have a hydrogen engine it's been out for a while i don't know how good it is but i mean it doesn't it's not one of their most popular it's not like the corolla i don't think but anyway we can move on from that i think you have the next one
1: yeah well actually there was one uh one in here before we got to the uh the nft talk which um our listeners know we're so big on, mm-hmm. but uh, it was about Grubhub and Doordash and Uber Eats. Um, they brought a lawsuit, I think, forward against the uh, city of New York. Excellent. Um, because <laughs> I'm all for of that. a, yeah, because of a cap they put on the amount that these uh, um, companies like Doordash, Uber Eats, uh, Grubhub can charge the restaurants. So whenever a restaurant wants to implement Doordash, Uber Eats, any of these um, food-based uh, delivery companies. Uh, they have to pay uh, a premium or a fee for their service. Mm -hmm. Um, And New York City has a cap on how much you can pay there. So they brought forth a lawsuit um, against the city saying essentially that um, the limit on these fees has cost the companies hundreds of millions of dollars combined through July. And uh, essentially, if these caps persist, I mean, the, the costs, once again, are just gonna get passed down to the consumers. And i don't know if you've used uber eats or doordash before but that delivery fee on top of the other fees already makes it feel like i'm paying 30 dollars just to get a big mac delivered to my door (laughs) it's it kind of defeats the purpose
0: yeah my experience has been that the delivery the delivery cost is sometimes more expensive than the actual food
1: (laughs) you'll be paying seven dollars in delivery costs and your hamburger will be five yep it's like well for that, I'll just get in my car and drive down the street. Well,
0: it is interesting. So I I have to wonder if it was the drivers that were complaining or if it was the company, because the company had to pay the drivers more. I don't know if they've gone to full employ, like full benefits and everything yet, but I know California and the UK were the two really big front runners in that we have to change the gig economy of Uber into full employment. And obviously there are ups and downs and that's a really deep conversation that I, I don't think we should do because we'll be here all night. Um, just on ethics and all that, Ed. But point being, I have to wonder who was actually doing the complaining that brought the lawsuit into effect. The drivers or Uber? <laughs> I'm curious.
1: Yeah, you know, it almost makes you think the drivers because I would think so. It's it's almost like the it's not a it's not a hypothetical, but it's almost like it's costing them money when there's less orders coming in because you see these costs getting passed down to the consumers where it almost doesn't even make sense to order through the app anymore.
0: Right. Maybe it's like a kind of like a smorgasbord of all of it, because I know they were having a big problem trying to find drivers. Drivers are a bit scarce right now. At, although I don't know if that's changing. I haven't seen the numbers recently. A few months ago, it was very tough to find an Uber driver. No one wanted to do it. And then they started paying their people. Then they all came back and the economy kind of balanced out the, you know, the driver economy, not the overall economy. but. That's interesting. So I would love to see where that
1: lawsuit goes. Does it say whenever it's being heard? (laughs) Um, No dates or anything in here. Um, All I know is all the numbers it discussed were from July, so... Oh, it's probably happening uh, right now. It looks like, um, no, yeah. there's no dates or anything specified for when the trial is going to... Uh, happen or anything like that. But we'll keep everyone posted if we do see anything because I do know uh, these services are pretty popular, uh, especially on colleges. When I was in college, I was using DoorDash specific pretty frequently. Yeah,
0: I think the way that we treat the gig economy is going to be vastly different next year and the year after that in two different ways than it is currently. But it's it's too hard to tell because I couldn't have predicted two years two years ago. I would have looked at today's world and been like, "Oh my god, how did we get here? This is so different." <laughs> like people, speaking of what we're yeah. about to go into, people are paying thousands and thousands of dollars and sometimes millions of dollars for literal JPEGs.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. And speaking about that, that brings us actually perfectly right into our next uh, next topic for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you actually sent me this article earlier today. It's called "Fantasy Hollywood Crypto and Community Owned Characters." And I, at first, when I first heard of NFTs, they made no sense to me. It was like, why would you just wanna own a JPEG? It didn't make any sense. Right. And then after reading this article, my it blew my mind. My brain was expanded and I'm just thinking of all these things, it's moving a million miles per hour mm-hmm. of everything you can do whenever you own the likeness of a character. Yep. And essentially this article talked about, you know, the public's ability to own a character and then have voting power over their likeness and what happens with them? So, almost think like if you could own Harry Potter yep. or Gandalf, Iron and they control, yeah, what adventures they go on, mm-hmm. um, what type of uh, media their their uh, their stuffs put out through. Like, you can control, you know, what this book's about, what this video game is, what the next movie or TV show coming out is. And the article did a really great job job of breaking down two examples in which this is kind of already happening today. Uh, specifically with the CryptoPunks, which is a, an NFT right now that has already been on sale and has resold. And it is basically just a JPEG, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, of different punk type characters.
0: In, in layman's terms, think of it as a museum exhibit that you can only find online and you can purchase the right to the code of these only online pieces of that museum exhibit. That is the only way that I can describe it in terms that Someone 10 years ago might understand it's yeah, that's that's the gist,
1: yeah. And so, someone bought Crypto Punk 9973, essentially, and it was a picture of a guy with an eye patch, basically, but it was very pixelated. Yep, and this person turned it into someone called the Skull and described it as a badass enforcer. And essentially, this person and 15 other uh, creators or owners of these punks came together to complete backstories for these characters, create narrative arcs, and uh, created a whole comic series around it. So they are now producing comics surrounding these 16 characters that they own, and they can do whatever they want with these characters because they own them.
0: This is the creator economy. I am so in love with it. It's awesome. Oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens. The only danger I see, I'm gonna let you go on, don't worry, but the only danger I see there's some really bad fan bases. Like I know the Star Wars fan base is pretty bad, and we're both really into that kind of stuff. If they, <laughs> if Disney allowed you to have public ownership of pieces of the Star Wars franchise, it would most of it would just get deleted because everyone's so angry about something. So <coughs> the Marvel franchise would be fun. Like if you could, you buy shares in like different superheroes and stuff, and depending on how well like their movies did, or how many times they get mentioned, or the volume of trading in that character. I, there's The possibilities are absolutely endless. Okay, that's my spiel, go on.
1: Yeah, and I was gonna say, later on in the article it kinda talks about how it's a good thing because you can have different versions of the same characters going on different adventures across different platforms, and you can accomplish more in such a short period of time because you don't have one company or one organization investing all their resources into one output on one medium mm-hmm. at one time. Yep. But the other issue is, you know like you were talking about with the marvel fan base people understand there's different iterations of spider-man so you got toby Maguire, uh tom holland and andrew garfield people get that they're different spider-mans but they're allowed to different coexist actors. in the same space Yep. if you do that with star wars and try to come out with three different darth vaders or three different luke skywalkers that are all totally different and have their own adventures that i I just think you're going to make a lot of people mad really quick. (laughs) That's
0: why I have trouble with the Marvel Universe is the nonlinear timeline kind of messes me up. I I like a timeline. It's really easy to understand where you can put everything on a line and say, look, here's when this happened. Here's when that happened. And I think it's easy to understand for people because that's exactly how our time works is you can look back in history and say, okay, this happened. Not, wait a minute, these five different things happened in history. And now what are we talking about? Where, where, where? We're not programmed to think like that yet. We could be.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely if you want a linear timeline, that's something that you could do with these characters, but uh, most likely the more people that are involved, the more fragmented adventures you're going to have and spinoffs. I agree. So I guess that's one drawback if you don't like it along those lines, but it it gives so much freedom and uh, almost power and control to the public, and uh, it's just such a great thing. And there was one other example that went into, uh, kind of a different approach to how with the CryptoPunk, they created the narratives and backstories. With this one, it was called, uh, the character's called Aku, and it was actually an ex-MLB baseball player, Micah Johnson, that created him. And it all stemmed from his nephew um, essentially asking his mother if uh, if someone who was black could become an astronaut someday. So this inspired Micah Johnson, and created he created an image uh, of his nephew wearing an astronaut helmet. I love and that he's going to release the story yeah 10 chapters at a time or one chapter at a time there will be a total of 10 chapters uh in the form of a short animated video Uh, it's a limited edition nft that you can purchase featuring this Aku character and it has already driven two million dollars in sales through the first two chapters and it is the first nft that can be optioned for film or a tv series
0: I think this is the absolute future. Community ownership of ideas, projects, and works is, I think that's going to be the theme of the Roaring Twenties. I'm going to call that right now. Our new Roaring Twenties is entirely based around community ownership. So that's the big idea behind the NFTs is that now we, you, can, you can own a piece of this idea and this thing. Everyone here just kind of wants to, we just want to belong to something. That's why we attach ourselves to ideas, groups, and things this is total inclusivity. I love it. And maybe it'll finally put a lot of the whiners to rest because there are just so many whiners out there these days about all the things that are going wrong. This is the ultimate act of inclusivity where everyone can be connected at once. I love it.
1: Yeah, Here's a great way to break it down. Essentially is imagine if Disney was going to sell 10 shares of Darth Vader's intellectual property. Yep. Imagine how much money one of those shares would sell for.
0: Millions and <laughs> millions and millions. Oh my God. They, yep. well, then, you know, if you only divide it up that far.
1: Whew. Yeah, 10 people. And then those 10 people control what happens with Darth Vader, essentially.
0: Yep. And then they could split up ownership of their own specific shares into subshares and sell those out. I mean, the possibilities are absolute. Absolutely endless. I, I oh wait. I think we just recreated pyramid schemes. <laughs> Oops.
1: <laughs> okay, they don't have to split them up. They don't want.
0: But well, shoot, we've walked ourselves in a circle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we walked ourselves backwards, which is what can happen um, sometimes whenever you just talk. But essentially, if Disney wanted to sell shares of their intellectual property, you could purchase it, and that's kind of the direction this article is going. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's not completely ridiculous to think we may see some of this with probably not Darth Vader and Harry Potter, but maybe some lower tier characters within the next 10 years.
0: Absolutely. The Japanese community is going to go crazy about this. So this is a funny side story, too. I saw another great tweet today from a guy who said, minted my first NFT for $100, bought it from myself for $72,000. Like he paid himself $72,000 to get this thing then resold it to some random person for $32,000. You just made $31,900 for free. I was like, that it's insanity. It's just, oh, it's crazy.
1: It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But oh, on it's to all the next interesting one, huh?
0: stuff. That's for sure. All right. Yep. Ready for the next one?
1: Yep. On to the next one.
0: This one's really fun. So there was an article, or there was like a, like a fake press release that came out yesterday. I can't remember exactly what the out, outlet was, I guess. It was something that's not really well. It was like Globe Street News. or it wasn't. No, it wasn't Globe Street. I'm sorry. That's a massive commercial real estate thing. But it had Globe and News and something in the title. Either way, it didn't look real. And it said that Walmart, like the Walmart that you know and love, is going to be now accepting a cryptocurrency called Litecoin in any transactions at any other stores. It was fake, but obviously a ton of people bought into it and jumped the shares up of this particular cryptocurrency. I think like 30%, 20%, something or other today. And then the owner came out and said, wait a minute, no, this wasn't us, it's totally fake. It all plummeted back down in the same day. So that, I mean, kind of just got me sitting here. I'm like, all right, look, I'm still completely all in on the whole smart contracts, the world of crypto and all that stuff. But you do have to remember that this is a young industry. There's still going to be scam artists out there and there's gonna be grifters and people just trying to make a little bit of money off everyone else. It was, it was a good reminder. It was like, okay, hey, so we've been having a really cute time for a while, but remember, it's not all real. It's some real, mostly real, and we're gonna eventually filter it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of just like the, if, if you're playing around in the stock market, just be careful who you take your financial advice from oh yeah i mean you can go on twitter and anyone can tell you invest in this and then you look up that ticker (sighs) and it's just a random warehouse in the middle of china that has no backing financially at all and it's not going anywhere yep so you just got to be careful
0: i had a thought today just I'm, i'm glad you said that that brought me to my other one i had a thought today and i said i think the peop- so remember when we were a kid and everyone's like, all right, be careful who you meet on the internet. Be careful who you talk to on the internet. I actually think the people who aren't careful about who they talk to on the internet are way more successful because they learn early on, oh, now I know how to identify a scam. If you don't figure it out, you're going to be sitting in the workplace at age 22 as soon as you get out of college and click on a phishing scam and get your company shut down for a month. Like, <laughs> You have to kind of figure out what's what and you have, to, you have to try things while the risks are really low, I think, at that point. So that was my thought, but you know, who knows where we're going with that?
1: No, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I've myself made a mistake. My first foray into the world of stocks, i scrolling on Twitter, you just look up stocks. And mm-hmm. You see a bunch of people all excited about this one stock on a random day. And they're like, IDEX, IDEX to the moon. Yep. And then you're like, all right, let me put all this money into it. We're gonna get rich. Mm-hmm. And everyone's tweeting to the moon, to the moon. And then next thing you know, it doesn't go anywhere and you lose a hundred dollars. And it's just like, it's, it's, the, it's the best and worst thing that can happen because then you learn, all right, don't listen to random people on Twitter who just generate hype around a ticker.
0: Yeah, thankfully that's a lesson you only have to learn once or twice. Although I don't think people are learning it because the hype stocks and the meme stocks are still, people are still getting rich off them. So we haven't learned our lesson yet, but I think we will as soon as ever the you know, the house of cards comes down. But yep. either way, we're moving on to the next one. So SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's uh, spacefaring company, They're looking to take four civilians into space and then for at least three days in the near future. And the at least three days is really important because everyone was kind of laughing at uh, Elon, what's his face? Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. They're like, yeah, their space flights weren't real. They were only up there 15 minutes or an hour or something like that. They didn't even break the atmosphere. And Elon's like, oh, double down, bet on that. I'm going to be up there for three days and we're going to have actual real people, not just the CEO of our company. I love that. So... There was a couple really interesting points in this article that I really liked. The general consensus around why SpaceX has consistently outperformed its competitors, which are Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. You know, there really aren't many competitors in the space industry at this point. But the reason they've done this is that they're able to take on more risk as a private company. And I have an awesome aside for this because I had a really weird dream about this a month ago. And here's where it went. About a month ago, I had a dream that I went back down to South Florida to hang out for a weekend, walked into my favorite bar. Elon Musk is sitting there. I sit down right next to him and say, Elon, are you ever going to take SpaceX public? And he said, no, sir. I said, why not? And he wouldn't tell me. And I was like, well, I woke up and I was like, I want to know. Why won't he do that? Now I understand. It's because they don't want to have to get shareholder approval. They want to be able to take really risky, weird things. So basically, I predicted the future and I'm going to pat myself on the back for that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a. I think you came to a great consensus there. I mean, if anyone knows Elon, the guy just likes to do what he likes to do. Yeah, he didn't. Well,
0: Tesla's had their own issues with shareholder approval because you know he tweets something and they he, he immediately gets a letter the next day and was like, hey, take that down or we're gonna sue you.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I can't blame him for not wanting to go public here, and I love that he's going to go up for three days because when I really thought about what Branson and Bezos did, and I think I've heard this a couple times as well, all they really did, I mean, it's a high stakes. Airplane flight. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> yep. That was the big on complaint. A
1: Fifteen minute flight, and there's a higher chance that you're gonna die and not come back down. That so.
0: is. Yep. I totally agree. That's exactly right. And that's why people were like, "Oh, this is total BS. Why were we even thinking that these guys were gonna do it?" And Elon's like, "Nope, I'm gonna be the guy. So he's gonna be the guy. I I believe in him. I'd bet.
1: Yeah. I'd, you, I'd bet on SpaceX if I was allowed to. If you go up for three days and you have a whole itinerary, you're almost like on a cruise in space. I totally agree. I think space cruises are gonna
0: be part of the new, yeah, part of the new space infrastructure. I'm all for it, but all right, Mm -hmm. we beat that one up. So I got a quick company highlight, then we're gonna do, we have a top three today. Forgot to say at the beginning of the episode, it'll be fun. we talked a little bit NFL stuff. So the company highlight I'm gonna talk about is called Forge Global, F-O-R-G-E Global. And this company is essentially a platform in which you can go on and invest in shares of private companies like SpaceX that we just talked about. So the problem is that the SEC only allows people with over a million dollars of liquid cash to invest in private companies. You have to be in what's called an accredited investor. And that million dollars, obviously, it can't include your house. And I think the the restrictions are different if you have a, a spouse. I should probably know this, I have all my serious licenses, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Either way, you have to have a ton of money that the majority of us don't have. It has to be all liquid. So. And that still counts for this platform you can't just go on there as like a normal random person like joey or myself and start buying into these private companies so what the ceo said he has a really cool name it's kelly rodriguez but with a q instead of a g which i liked that's that's awesome that's different uh so what mr kelly was saying is he wants his company as a he wants his company to go public they're looking to go public and he wants them to basically act as a proxy for the rest of us who can't invest in these private companies, he said, "Look, you need you need to have exposure to private companies outside of the public, you know, the public markets, the public interface. Invest in our company, and that way you get access to what other what the rich people are doing." I was like, "That's a really creative, cool workaround. I like it. Good thought.
1: It's genius. Yeah, I love it. It allows the public to you know, kind of get, get their like foot in like the a door, dip. per se. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you get your feet wet and uh, less risk." And I mean, who knows what could happen with it? I have no predictions or any idea how it could turn out, but I mean, it's definitely a very interesting, very unique idea, and um, I think it'll be well received.
0: Right, I agree. Well, you know, the opposite side of that is that even though you're getting, you're, you're getting a piece of the successes, you're also getting a piece of the failures and whatever projects go wrong. So, with the it, this is a paraphrased quote, but basically he said most people want to invest in private companies but aren't allowed to so we count as that sort of exposure which is nice they kind of work as like an etf the problem that i have with it is that they are going public through a spac spac special purpose acquisition company just a blank check company that is purely in existence to buy up these companies that don't fit the requirements to go public which has led to a lot of issues in the past year or so. And you have to look and say, well, maybe they don't fit the requirements for a reason. Maybe they shouldn't be going public. It's it's a total workaround to get them there. I It'll be interesting to see how they do. Either way, it was creative and I thought it was worth mentioning.
1: Yeah, and uh, we'll definitely keep everyone posted. If it does uh, blow up and become something big and if it fails, then um, maybe it wasn't meant to be.
0: Right. All right, moving on. Next one is that the Carolina Panthers unveiled a new quote, mixed reality immersion uh, this past Sunday. And so I don't really know exactly. You probably saw it better than I did. You're much bigger on NFL than I am. But, I mean, they had, they had like a – it was like a virtual panther running around like the real stadium doing all this stuff. And I don't know if it was on the, the big screen or what and how they did it. But I think it's really cool because that kind of moves us towards like the Mark Zuckerberg whole metaverse thing where we're moving towards ownership of the virtual world just as much as the physical one. Hey, I mean, you know, when you, when you start to mix the two, I think the NFL crowd overall is going to be a lot of people who are real people, a lot of blue collar workers in there, a lot of people who are just doing their normal thing, and this kind of gets them a little acclimated to that. Did you end up seeing it?
1: Um, I didn't see it live, but I did end up seeing it, and yeah, I mean, the the Panther was neat, popped down off the top of the stadium, ran around the uh upper The video looks great. Yeah grab the jets flag jump down ripped it up and it's uh, it's actually interesting because this has been tried before as well or done uh, the Ravens have done it with a flock of Ravens and it's funny because they actually did it against the Jets also so I don't know if maybe a lot <laughs> that, of jets uh, hate out there yeah I, I don't know what's going on with that but uh it's a it's a great idea and this kind of leads into one of my top three so I'll save my analysis and kind of what I was going to say about that but um but yeah, it's very cool, and uh, I think we're going to see more and more of it.
0: I hope so. I, I like this stuff. It's good It's good marketing, too. But all right, we're going to do top three. And so the top three today is we're doing top three NFL predictions this season. These are not all going to be football stuff. I know mine are more economic. I wanted this to be as open as possible. And when, we, when I pitched it, I didn't give Joey any guidelines. So I'm hoping we have totally different answers. But as usual, I'm going to let you go first. Go for it.
1: All right, I thought way outside the box as well on this, so this isn't gonna be like, oh, the Steelers are gonna win the Super Bowl, even though everyone out there that knows me already knows that (laughs) I think that. Yeah. Um, So my first one is kind of related to our last talking point, and it's that uh, going to an NFL game is going to continue to grow as a premium and premier experience. Um, The more we get into the future, it won't just be go sit down, get your beer and nachos and watch a game. Uh, The NFL is a business. Don't uh, don't mistake it for a second. They're in the entertainment business, but they are a business. So you're already paying. I don't know if you're in Pittsburgh. I don't know how much it is in Jacksonville, but in Pittsburgh, you're paying three hundred bucks to go to a Steelers game. Yeah, in it's, addition it's to a one dollar beer. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. It's not cheap, and uh, they're going to want to continue to make this, you know, a premier experience. I know the Raider Stadium, which tonight um, we're recording this on Monday, will be the first time there are ever fans in it uh, in Las Vegas. They have a nightclub in the one end zone, right above it. You can go. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, you can go and have cocktails. It's a premier nightclub in Vegas. You can sit down, bottle service at a table, and you're literally right up above one of the end zones. So, I mean, different stadiums and different people are going to keep advancing the game day experience, have you? And uh, it's just going to continue to grow and evolve. I know... Different stadiums have already done it in the past, even if they may be a little outdated. Like in Jacksonville, I know they have the swimming pool you can get seats at. Mm -hmm. And uh, just so there's a bunch of little things and they're evolving, just as everything else does.
0: This is, all right, I'm calling, this, this is a massive, massive block by Roger Goodell in the NFL to say, look, We know it's more comfortable to watch the game at your home because it kind of, going to an NFL game can kind of suck if you don't do it right. You have to do it right. So like most people are realizing that slowly and they're like, wait a minute, my 4K TV and my microwave sound fantastic right now and Uber eats a pizza and you're good to go. Have your buddies over. That sounds great. So this is like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm really glad the direction you went with this. I'm very impressed because that was like perfect. It's gonna definitely be like booking a cruise, like oh, I'm getting season tickets, like I'm buying, I'm buying sixteen awesome Sundays or something like that.
1: Exactly, and if you're gonna spend that money, um, why not have like a premier experience, like almost like you're in a nightclub in Las Vegas and have bottle service, and you're also watching the Raiders. Yeah, I mean it's.
0: Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I'm all for it. So I think I think mine's pretty good too. My my number three that I'm going with is I think we're gonna see basically double the amount, at least double the amount of sports gambling from last season. And I think it's a big tie to that money is really cheap right now. A lot of people have more money in their pockets than they ever have, and they're going to feel really comfortable dropping 50 to 100 bucks on a game at any given time. We're going to see a lot more gambling, and I think the NFL is going to fully embrace it. And my prediction is, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I think by the end of the season, the SEC or any, any of the big regulatory bodies are going to be like, wait a minute, there's a lot of money moving around here, and we want a piece of it.
1: There is, I think you're exactly right. The more states it becomes legalized in, the, um, the more the SEC might start paying attention. I know uh, I've had some pretty big, big parlays in the past, and I've had to look into some of the regulations myself. And uh, I know there is a, a point where you have to report it as income. Um, I don't know what type of income it needs reported as, but I think it's $1,200 if you went over 1200 No, maybe 2500 if you went over that amount then you have to report it and pay taxes on it. So there is a set amount already where you're getting taxed if you win too much.
0: Jeez, yeah, but it is income versus capital gains. I actually know a couple of professional gamblers that like they literally do that for a living and they do really well for themselves. But if it is taxed as income, that's kind of a pain. Either way, that's yeah. interesting. All right, go for your second.
1: All right, my second is more players are going to become active on TikTok and social media. Think Juju Smith-Schuster, the wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, have you.
0: Yep, they're building um, their
1: brand. Exactly, that's exactly what I had written down. They're promoting their own brands. Oh yeah, um, just think, football isn't going to last forever. You can hate Juju all you want. You can call him a crybaby and a prima donna and say he dances on TikTok, uh, and he, that doesn't belong in the NFL. But at the end of the day, that's what he wants. He wants you to say that about him. He attention. wants you to get all riled up and say, oh, look at Juju dancing on this other team's logo. So disrespectful because that's his brand. Yep. He is a TikToker. And when he can't play football anymore at the age of 32, guess what he can do? He can play video games. He can make money from streaming. He can make money from posting TikToks, and he will never go broke because of it.
0: Again, the creator economy is incredible. I'm all for it. All right. so mine is virtual reality game streaming is going to become a very popular thing.
1: I love that because I agree.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome. Like just so VR headsets are they're getting bought up more and more. You know, it's kind of a wild concept that that's one of the things in the 90s that they said was a real thing that we've kind of talked into reality, but I think it would be absolutely awesome and so much better than going to an NFL game. If you could pop on your virtual reality headset be standing on the field or sitting on the field, look over and have your buddies sitting next to you on the field and be able to watch the game from there virtually. I mean, obviously through a camera that's being live streamed, but that is a re- that'd be a really cool experience. And I think the NFL has figured out that that's one of the avenues they need to push.
1: Yep, And here's the thing. I mean, I definitely don't think that'll be cheap. It'll be oh, significantly no. cheaper than going to a game, but it's not going to be free because if the NFL is going to give you a reason to not leave your house, they're going to make sure they get some type of money for it. Yeah, but I would love it, and I'd love to see it in all sports. I mean, imagine sitting courtside to an NBA game in your living room. I mean, it's it's crazy, and I've even seen, I haven't seen it done perfectly yet, but I do know the NBA has tried it a couple times. Not not specifically where you can sit there and see your friend. Oh, with the
0: people in the seats, though, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, from last year. I think the big obstacle to any of this is that espn is going to fight it all the way all the big sports companies like the like the the news stations and the companies that make so much money off this they're going to have control of this until it becomes part of it like a streaming service to get a hold of sports which i also think is coming
1: yeah the way it's going to have to be is amazon or facebook one of these companies that own their own virtual reality headset is going to have to get a license to one of these games Yep. um i know amazon actually was able to get licensed to one Thursday night game last season where it was aired only on Amazon Prime. Yep. And I think it was a Cardinals game. But it's it's going to be tough to get these licenses because CBS owns all the AFC games. Fox owns all the NFC games on Sunday. Monday night is, I want to say it's on ESPN. Uh, Sunday night is NBC and Thursday night is, I think it was on NBC also this past Thursday. I don't know for sure. Yeah, but the point but these is are the companies they're not gonna let them go. That, yeah, these are the companies that Facebook is gonna have to get a license from. Oh, Facebook's and then a good one. you'll be able to watch it on the Oculus. That's yep. how it'll go.
0: Facebook, Amazon's probably one that could take them down. Apple might even try. All, all the bigs are definitely gonna take a run at it, which is awesome. All right, mm-hmm. what's your number one?
1: My number one is London, is going to eventually get an NFL team. I agree. With I don't that. know if it'll be this year, but there's only so much money to be made in America. And granted, the NFL is already making billions.
0: Tons, tons, but and tons.
1: People are greedy, and you just look at the entire untapped market of whether it's Mexico or the UK. And you see the type of fandom they have for soccer. And granted, it will never overtake soccer, I don't think. But if you can even capture a portion of that fandom and attach them to the NFL, (laughs) <laughs> it's millions and millions of more dollars in their pockets
0: yep and we're gonna see which country actually puts out the biggest people even though i think that's america right now we just have like ridiculous amounts of steroids and nutrition so i but there's probably gonna be some like like norway is gonna have some really tall people that get some protein in their system and just get jacked <laughs> that would be fun to see
1: <laughs> it would be fun to see it would be good stuff all
0: right so uh, i have a pander pick for my first one i'm sorry but i have to tom Brady is gonna win another super bowl
1: Unfortunately, I think you are right.
0: (laughs) He's going to do it, and he's going to go down in history as the man who can walk around Tampa shirtless and then go play a Super Bowl game and win, and it's going to be a mess. But you know what? I'm pro Florida, so everyone else can deal with it.
1: (laughs) I hate to say it, but after watching that Thursday night game, um, father time is definitely not taking a toll on that man. He was looking sharp, and I mean, he might play till he's well past 50. I mean, we might see a 53-year-old Tom Brady. I, Who yep.
0: knows? Yep, Jeff Bezos is a anti-aging uh, treatments that he's trying to do. Tom Brady got in front of the line and he was like, yeah, do it Do it on me. I'm, I'm the one. He's gonna be 60 looking 40. Crazy, man. <laughs> yep. yep, it's incredible. All right, so this is just, this is about the end of the regular show. There's a few more really fun things that I wanted to go over and I think we're gonna have time. It's gonna run a little long. The first one is, this is great. I found an opinion piece called the stock market would, it would we would, it, Sorry, I messed that up. The stock market would fail a breathalyzer test. I love that because it's absolutely true. We're just drunken on opulence in these past past two years probably. There's just been crazy amounts of money going into ridiculous stuff. And the point that I wanted to make about that, because it's kind of a serious topic. You're like, oh, great. That means everything's going to crash soon. As soon as all the sellers realize all at once that they want to sell, everything's going to fall down. But I saw it this way. Instead of looking at a company and saying, this is what this company is actively making right now, Nowadays you invest in something purely for the prospect of what they might do. It used to be half and half. It used to be fundamentals, what are they doing now, and, you know, technical, what do we think they can do in the future. Great. I think it's pretty much 100% <laughs> how excited are we about these projects right now? I mean, the great example they said was like Beyond Meat, which is bean bean-based protein. The company Beyond Meat is worth more than like all the bean futures out there <laughs> that you can buy. That that in itself is just a ridiculous notion.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. The stock market has been absolutely insane even just in this past year alone. And, yeah, you got some of your meme stocks that are kind of jokes like AMC and GameStop. Yep. But there's there's other stocks as well where you look at, at the possibility of the future and you get excited. Think Tesla. They didn't return a profit until just a couple of years ago, maybe even like 2019. one or two, It was 2019. Right? 2019? Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was the first and year. Th- their stock was flying high and still is based off of the future and what the public thinks and knows Elon Musk is capable.
0: I agree. So where I see the correction, where I'm 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 guessing now, I, I see the correction in that the second that all the retail traders figure out what options, futures, commodities, what all these other markets are and that the stock market isn't the end of it, it's just the beginning. It's when you get into investing, you start in equities, which is stocks. That's that's what you do. It's the easiest thing to get to. As soon as they figure out there's other places to put your money, I think it's all going to calm down because the money's going to shift out of just pure companies and balance itself out across the other forms of investing. It'd be really interesting to see, but that is my bet in the next you know what let's just let's go way far out there 3 years
1: 3 years is way far out there
0: <laughs> Oh in today's world absolutely everything's moving so fast
1: That's true that's true Hey I'll 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 double down with you I trust you that's a that's a good bet I'll say then and uh, we'll see where we are. But we're we're going to keep time. track of our
0: yeah. We're going to keep track of our company bets because I think this is really fun. There was the one that we did last week. I'll I'll get a spreadsheet together and we'll keep track of it. But all right, the next and the last one that I wanted to do is I just I just wanted to say it's really flipping hard to short companies these days because of that crazy opulence. Like I I've lost every short bet I've made this whole year, and thankfully I've made so much money on my long bets because everything's crazy that it doesn't matter. It hasn't hurt me at all, but even companies that are proven to have really horrible fundamentals that are doing really sketchy things. like The one that comes to mind is DraftKings, Hindenburg Research, which I absolutely love. They're a short seller firm. They do this deep, deep, deep dive research into what companies are doing and why they think uh, companies are going to fall apart. They did an awesome piece on DraftKings. It was this massive memorandum they did about how they have, they have all these black market operations over in Asia and Africa. They do these horrible, ridiculous, shady things. And I lost like 20% on that short because I was in for like a month or two and they just flew up because everyone's betting. Everyone wants to gamble.
1: It's ridiculous. That's what. Just to put it in layman's terms, for those out there who don't know what shorting a company is, you're essentially betting against that company. So- Thank you.
0: That was a good call. In the old
1: days, yeah, investors would read up on the company and see that they're doing horrible things over in foreign countries and think, Oh, I'm going to, there's no way this company's going anywhere. The public's going to catch on. They're going to run into regulations. I'm going to bet against them. Yep. But trading and stocks are just so available to the general public, especially with Robin hood, not as many people are doing their research now, which is why it can get dangerous and they're just funneling their funds into something they like, like DraftKings. You think, Oh, I bet on football. Okay, here's a hundred dollars on DraftKings in the stock market.
0: You're right; it's, it, it's a purely dang. hype and volume play. It's just because there's enough money. There's still money being funneled into the equities markets, and you look at that and say, "Okay, well, there's still money coming in, which means that it's not going to fall anytime soon." And it, it is what it is. But I just, I just wanted to gripe about it. <laughs> I, was, I was upset. <laughs> I was like,
1: I would gripe. short sellers. Uh, yep, that's what happened with the GameStop. All the shorters, all the short sellers, they, uh, they took a massive when that game stopped, stock price jumped up $360 or whatever a couple months ago.
0: That was a big old squeeze. Yeah, I just closed out a position last month, and I'm still steaming about it, but either way. <laughs> All right, that's what we've got, and it should be a nice, fun, long week ahead of us, and hopefully we'll be back on Friday with some more good stuff.
1: Yep, see everyone Friday, and have a great week.